the end of the day, that is all dressage is. Developing a horse that responds effortlessly to your smallest aids is able to be adjustable in length and bendability without compromising the relaxation or the correctness of their posture. By continuously developing these elements and testing that the horse is able to maintain them through changes of bend, frame and gears within the paces. Welcome to the Dressage Connection podcast, where we are demystifying dressage training so your connection with your horse can flourish and you can start making sustainable momentum in your riding. I'm your host, Beth Carter, an Australian dressage trainer, coach, and the human behind BC Performance Horses with a passion for making correct dressage training understandable and accessible for every horse and rider. I believe that every horse benefits from dressage training and I believe that it is possible to develop a horse that produces high quality work that scores well while still having an epic connection with your horse. I'm here to help you build foundations that will support you through the levels, own your role as your horse's trainer and fall back in love with riding your horse. So put your foot in the stirrup and let's build that dressage connection. Hello, I'm so excited to be back for the second episode of the Dressage Connection podcast. Before we get started, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has been listening and giving lovely feedback on the first episode. I'm so glad you guys are loving it and I love hearing from you guys. So keep that coming. If you're really enjoying this, make sure you let me know. I'm so excited to be back for a second episode. And let me tell you, this is where the fun begins. In this episode, I want to go back to basics, to what I like to call the essential elements of dressage training that every rider needs to have in place to be able to train their horse through the levels successfully and sustainably. You may have heard of the dressage training pyramid, also known as the German training scale. I'm not going to go too deeply into it today, but I do want to give you a bit of background. The dressage training pyramid was developed by the German military in the early 1900s to make sure that the classical principles that dressage was built upon are honoured through each generation of rider, but now it serves more as a set of criteria for judges to consistently score the basic movements and a guideline for riders and trainers just like you and me to train our horses in a way that is correct and effective. The six steps of the dressage training pyramid are rhythm, relaxation, connection, impulsion, straightness, and collection. Whether you are just starting out on your dressage journey or you're riding at a higher level, whether you have big dressage dreams or you just want to do what's best by your horse, the better you can train these elements, the easier it will be to get better quality work out of your horse, which not only benefits your competition scores, it also benefits your horse's health, their happiness, and your happiness. And there's a few reasons for this. When you position your horse correctly, you are helping prevent them from becoming sore because they are using the correct muscles to carry you. Think if you were going to the gym and you were lifting weights, but you weren't engaging your core and instead you were compensating by hollowing your back when you were lifting. Pretty quickly, you're going to get a really sore back because you're putting a lot of stress on your lower back muscles instead of using your core and your glutes to support you. That's exactly what happens when your horse isn't in the correct posture when you ride them and it is why it is so important that we train every horse to position their body correctly no matter what your end goal is for them because 
a horse that feels confident and strong in their work is going to try a lot harder for you than a horse that doesn't feel comfortable or that is in pain. When you solidify the basic elements, you are making each step forward in your training a step, not a leap. The movements at each level in the dressage tests are designed to be the next step of the movements at the previous level. Let's use the lateral movements for an example. In the novice, and I'm going to talk um, in Australian levels here because I am Australian, we introduce leg yields, which are the first lateral movement because they require the horse to move sideways while maintaining the straightness that we have already established in their body. Instead of having to position the horse in some kind of bend like in the rest of the lateral movements. In the elementary, we introduce the shoulder in and then the travers where we take the next step and instead of just maintaining the positioning we already have while moving laterally, we reposition the horse into a new bend. Then in the medium, we combine the sideways of the leg yield with the bend in the shoulder in and the travers to introduce half pass. But it's not just about being able to ride the movements. We also want to be able to maintain the elements of the training pyramid that we have already established within the movements. To be able to maintain the horse's equal size steps and feeling like they are propelling forwards on their own. Their feeling of softness and relaxation, the connection to the contact and the expressiveness of the steps that we have established. This can only happen when we have taken the time to consolidate all of the elements at the movements leading up to the ones that we want to ride now. Because when you can ride it easily in the step before, it's a simple, easy extension to be able to ride it at the next step. When the horse works through the basic elements correctly, it is easier for the judges to give you higher scores in the competition arena. The quality of work your horse can produce is directly linked to the training through these elements and therefore so are your scores. Which is why a lot of the time the more naturally talented horses get higher scores, especially in the lower levels, than the horses without so much of that natural talent because these horses are able to give the illusion that they are trained more highly through the training pyramid because they often show relaxation and impulsion in their steps more easily. But that doesn't mean you have to have a fancy imported warm blood to score well. In fact, these horses often come undone when the training has gotten a bit lax because at a certain point where the work starts to get a bit harder, they have never had to work to produce those lower elements of the training pyramid. Whereas if you train a less talented horse through the pyramid correctly, they will show a good level of relaxation and impulsion in their paces, which will allow them to score as well as the more talented horse. Plus, they already have the tools installed to produce this element, which they can continue building on throughout their career. So if you don't have the fanciest horse ever, you can train it to be pretty fancy by following the training pyramid. If you do have a talented horse, don't just coast along and rely on their talent because it will only take you so far. Right from the beginning, use the training pyramid to keep track of where you're at and what you need to work on going forwards. Now, I've talked a lot about these basic elements and the training pyramid, and you may be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but how do I implement that for myself? Allow me to share my strategy with you. Every single time I sit on a horse, I am going through a checklist of feelings and reactions to decide what I am going to work on in that moment. I ask myself, is the horse reactive to my aids? 
Is the horse traveling straight through their body in relevance to the movement that we are riding? Is the horse working through the connection into a steady contact? Is the horse able to bend both directions without losing the quality or the relaxation? Is the horse balancing their weight on their hind legs? Is the horse able to adjust the length and frame? Is the horse able to adjust the size of the steps rather than just making their legs move faster or slower? Is the horse able to stay balanced in whatever positioning I put them in? Each ride and in each movement that I ride, I start at the beginning of this checklist and just work my way through until I find a problem or feel like something could be better or that the horse could be stronger in. Then I just work on improving that because at the end of the day, that is all dressage is. Developing a horse that responds effortlessly to your smallest aids is able to be adjustable in length and bendability without compromising the relaxation or the correctness of their posture. By continuously developing these elements and testing that the horse is able to maintain them through changes of bend, frame and gears within the paces. As you move up the levels, these changes get progressively more challenging because everything else is just a variation of one of these foundational elements. So once you have these elements installed, building on them is easy. No matter where you're at in your training, you just continue to work your way through this list, progressively making the patterns you ask your horse to maintain each element in more challenging until you reach Grand Prix. Even then, no one has ever ridden a 100% Grand Prix test, so there is always a way that you can improve on something. You also don't have to get to the end of this checklist before starting again. When you introduce something new, new to your horse's training, sometimes you have to take a step back to the previous step before moving forwards again. Say you're working on training the shoulder in to improve your horse's ability to move laterally, but you lose the forward momentum. At this time, you need to go back to working on getting your horse forward and responding forward off your forwards aids, then introducing the forwards response within the movement. That's the beauty of this checklist. Within every ride and every movement, you can run through it mentally to test what needs improving in relevance to the level you're riding. Because of course, going through this checklist with an FEI horse is going to look so much different to going through it with a four-year-old. With an FEI horse, you're looking for the work to be a lot more refined and asking them a lot more challenging maneuvers. And you know, with a four-year-old, it's going to be quite simplified. With that said, let's get a little deeper into this checklist. Is the horse responsive to my aids? Dressage is a series of reactions. If you have a horse that gives a direct, correct response off the smallest aid, everything else becomes a whole lot easier, which is why it's first on the list. I want you to know that your horse is capable of giving you the response you want off a small aid. I have heard all the excuses. My horse is lazy. My horse doesn't stop. My horse won't bend. My horse falls out the outside shoulder. You get the idea. And you've probably said a number of these things about your own horse because these are completely normal issues to come across while training. But where people are wrong is they're not unfixable. Every time you put an aid on your horse, the first thing you must assess is, did the horse give me the response that I expected them to or not? If not, we need to figure out why. And the answer is almost always either one, the aid you put on is not clear, correct, or differentiated from a different aid, or two, you have not set the 
expectation with your horse that when you put an aid on, you expect them to give you a specific reaction. Once you figure out which it is, then you can work on creating the responses you want through consistency, corrections, repetition, praise, timing, preparation, and clarity. Is the horse traveling straight through their body in relevance to the the movement they are doing? In dressage, straightness isn't always literal unless you're riding a straight line. When we talk about straightness, we are talking about how it is relevant to the movement that you're riding specifically. On a circle, this looks like the horse bending evenly around the circle line like a banana and the furthest point out of the horse is the rib cage, not the outside shoulder. In a leg yield, it looks like literal straightness with a bit of flexion to the inside, which is just bend at the pole in the direction the horse is moving away from. In the shoulder in, it looks like the horse bending to the inside from the shoulders forward at a 30 degree angle to create three tracks. So if you were standing directly in front or behind the horse, you should be able to see three legs, the inside front, the outside front or the inside hind, depending on if you're standing in front or behind the horse, and the outside hind. The neck should remain relatively straight out of the shoulders with just slight flexion to the inside. In travers, it looks like the head, neck and shoulders traveling straight forwards on the track with the hind legs wrapping to the inside at a 35 degree angle to create four tracks. So if you stood directly in front or behind the horse, you should be able to see all four legs and they should be a somewhat equal distance apart. In Ronver, it looks exactly like Traver, but the horse bends to the outside instead of the inside. The half pass is Traver across the diagonal. The head and shoulders are pointed to where you want to end up and the hind legs wrap around the inside leg and cross over following slightly behind the front legs. One of the biggest mistakes riders make that tank their horse's straightness is riding too much off the inside rein. I'm sure you've heard it before, inside leg to outside rein, but do you really know what that means? I'm not going to go too deeply into it on this episode because I do want to do an episode on inside leg to outside rein connection in the future, but for a quick overview, when you turn or bend your horse from the inside rein, you're pulling your horse's head around, but the shoulders lag behind and drop out which makes it really hard for you to position the horse's body in any specific way because the rest of the horse follows the shoulders. So if you don't have control of the shoulders, then you don't have control of where any of the rest of the horse's body is going. When you turn your horse from your seat and your outside rein, you are turning your horse from their shoulders, which gives you so much more accuracy in how you position your horse's body throughout the turn, which is crucial for a straight horse. When you want to bend your horse while keeping them straight, instead of just going straight to your inside rein, put your inside leg on in conjunction with your outside rein and your seat aids to bend the horse around your inside leg while keeping control of those shoulders. Most issues with the straightness come from the rider using too much inside rein and the horse is learning to rely on that rein for balance. In your riding, if you feel like you're relying too much on your inside rein or if you want to test if you are relying too much on your inside rein, put your inside rein forward and see how your horse reacts. If you put the inside rein forward so the rein is nice and floppy and loose and the horse loses the connection or the balance, then you are too reliant on the inside rein. If the connection becomes better, you are too reliant on the inside rein. 
If the horse remains working straight through the connection, then the balance between the reins is good. Is the horse working through the connection into a steady contact? We as riders are so focused on where our horse's head is that we often forget one of the most important things. The frame, the contact, whatever you want to call it, comes from behind. Think of the connection like a wave. The wave or the energy is created in the hind legs and this energy channels over the horse's supple back into the bit. It should feel like the horse is pushing from behind into the hand. This means that for the energy to channel, the horse must remain supple and straight through the body in relevance to the movement that you're riding, which is why I correct the straightness and the reactions before I correct the connection. Because if the horse is forward and straight through the body, so often the connection comes on its own. Whereas if the horse becomes tense or hollow over the back, that tension creates a blockage and usually ends up with the horse on the forehand with the hind legs trailing behind like a trailer rather than being the driving force. If the horse is crooked through the body, let's say they're falling out the outside shoulder as an example, that energy channeling down the top line from the hind legs will not channel to the bit it will channel out where the horse is falling out it's like that energy leaks out that weak point where the horse has fallen out and then it makes it really hard or impossible for the horse to have a true connection to the contact if they are crooked when the connection is correct there should be somewhat equal amounts of horse in front and behind the saddle The goal is to be able to lengthen and shorten the horse in front and behind the saddle together. This is called longitudinal adjustability. And we're going to be talking more about it at a later step of this checklist. The goal is for the horse to be able to carry their own head in the frame that you choose with a light hand-holding feeling through the reins that is consistent. The reins shouldn't be pulling, but they also shouldn't be loopy or have inconsistent pressure that pulls and releases constantly, randomly, without reason. It should feel like you're holding hands with your horse. Every horse has strengths and weaknesses in the connection, and they are usually linked to their confirmation or their previous training. Some horses prefer to be higher in the frame, some prefer to be lower, some will try to avoid pressure from your hand, and some horses will be strong against it. It's your job as your horse's trainer to get to know your horse's preferred frame and train them in a way that strengthens and improves that connection, which is usually to work them in the opposite frame to what their preference is. For horses that prefer to be higher in the frame, you need to train them to take the contact down to stretch lower and deeper. For horses that prefer to be deep in the frame and low in the frame, you need to train them to sit more on their hind legs and sit up more in the neck. For horses that hide away from the contact, they need to learn to find comfort in that consistent hand-holding pressure. And the horses that are too strong need to learn to carry their own head and just find suppleness in the connection. The best thing you can do for your horse that is learning about the connection is to forget test frame and just ride your horse in the frame that encourages them to strengthen their weaknesses. Your training frame right now is not your end game. It is allowed to be a bit messy. It is allowed to be a tiny bit behind the vertical. It is allowed to be too long or the pole not being the highest point for now. If that is the frame that encourages your horse to work over the top line and strengthen the correct connection for now, then that is okay. 
This is the only way you will ever develop a horse that is eventually able to truly work in correct self-carriage at the higher levels. And self-carriage is our goal. It's our end game. It happens when the horse is able to balance their weight on their hind legs and push uphill over the top line into the connection that is light in the hand while still maintaining that correct positioning. No slightly in front of the vertical pole highest point without compromising that top line connection. But what a lot of people don't realize is it takes a lot of strength and training of what we've just talked about to achieve self-carriage correctly. So they try and position their horse this way without taking into consideration the connection through the horse's body. So they have the nose slightly in front of the vertical and the polar highest point, but the horse is hollow over the back. So the horse is not connecting from hind legs to front. What, what people need to remember is the contact is a journey and self-carriage is the destination. Is the horse able to bend in both directions and move laterally without losing the previous elements? All right, so I'm going to try and get through this one a bit quicker. We know now that the bend comes from inside leg to outside rein connection and that if the bend is not created through straightness, then the connection and therefore the relaxation of the horse over the top line cannot be maintained. In this step, we are basically testing, can you bend your horse or move them laterally through the movements relevant to their level of training without losing the horse's ability to move forward of the leg in consistent rhythm, maintaining the relaxation already established without compromising the connection while maintaining the expression that you may have created in the paces and anything else on this list that you have already established with your horse. The ability to do this is called lateral adjustability. If you find that your horse loses any of the elements at this stage of the training, you need to go back and strengthen that element and then come back to, to this point. Is the horse balancing their weight on their hind legs? Now we're starting to get into the big kid stuff. Contrary to popular belief, I believe most horses can work uphill, even if it contradicts their confirmation. And this is how you can make it happen. Remember how when I was talking about the connection, I was saying the horse needs to maintain equal length in front and behind the saddle and to achieve self-carriage, the horse needs to balance their weight more on their hind legs. This is how we start achieving that. And we train it through increased impulsion and collection. Impulsion is the push from the hind legs that propels the steps bigger and with more expression. Some horses naturally have some kind of impulsion, but every horse can and should be continuously improving their impulsion. There are a few components that make up compulsion that I'm not going to talk about today to keep this episode to some sort of time frame. <laughs> but the thing I do want to talk about is how it affects this thing that I like to call sitability, which is just the horse's ability to sit on their hind legs. When the horse sits more on their hind legs, the horse is able to push more from behind, increasing the bend in their leg joints to create bigger, more elastic steps, which allows the shoulders to lift more up to create that big shoulder movement. And it makes it easier for the horse to work in self-carriage. Something to remember with impulsion is that you need to be creating a lot of energy from the hind legs. And that doesn't necessarily mean going really fast. It means we are progressively asking our horse to to take bigger steps within the energy that we have, which I think is a good place to segue into collection, which is something that is commonly misunderstood. Many people think collection refers to the frame. It doesn't. 
Collection is the increased engagement of the hindquarters, lightness on the forehand, and the ability to go into self-carriage. In collection, we are asking the horse to take smaller, higher steps, which gives the impression that the horse is slow, when in reality, the horse should maintain the same amount of energy as in an extended pace. With impulsion, we are looking for bigger, more ground-covering steps. In collection, we are looking for shorter, higher steps, but both keeping the same amount of energy. Is the horse able to adjust their length of body and frame intentionally? Once the horse is able to sit a bit more on their hind legs in, and in more self-carriage, it's time to play a little bit. If the horse is truly in balance, they should be able to switch between collection and stretching their top line longer while maintaining everything we just talked about. Reactivity to the aids, straightness, connection, lateral adjustability, sitability. This doesn't mean you just throw the reins at your horse from collection and expect them to stretch down nicely or whip up the reins really quickly from stretching and expect collection. It means that when you slowly lengthen or shorten the frame, the horse remains balanced, maintaining that hand-holding feeling in the contact, uphill, energetic, straight, and most importantly, as the frame comes longer or shorter, the horse maintains that equal length in front and behind the saddle by sitting the hind legs more underneath themselves when the frame becomes shorter and higher. This is what we call longitudinal adjustability. Is the horse able to adjust the size of their steps rather than just moving their legs faster or slower? Again, with this one, we pretty much have covered the bulk of it when we talked about impulsion and collection. Every horse naturally takes bigger or smaller steps with more or less relaxation. The horses that naturally take bigger, more relaxed steps are deemed to be better movers, while the horses that take the smaller, more tense steps are deemed to not move as well. But don't stress if your horse isn't naturally a good mover. By going back and working on your horse's impulsion, you are able to develop a horse that moves with bigger, more relaxed steps. It can actually be a lot of fun to build the impulsion in these less talented horses because you get to increase the step size over the time and the training and a lot of the time with the right training, these horses find the collection easier than the bigger moving horses who struggle to bring their big steps smaller when it comes time to collect. What we are looking for at this stage of the training is that the horse is able to go between collection and depending on where they're at in their training, lengthens, mediums and extended paces without changing the energy that they are creating or the speed the horse's legs are moving. Is the horse able to stay balanced in whatever positioning I put them in? So for example, counter canter, counter flexion, the lateral movements, lengthening to shortening, etc. This final step is a culmination of everything and is an extension of both lateral and longitudinal adjustabilities. When you have all of the previous steps down in relevance to the level your horse is training, you should be able to put your horse into any positioning, any bend, lateral movement, flying changes, long, short, without losing the foundations you have already established. Then when it's easy, that's when it's time to make the circumstances more challenging. Add in more challenging lateral movements, counter cancer, flying changes, more challenging transitions, increase the expectations for the collection or the impulsion, ask for more self-carriage, whatever the next step is for you and your horse. Then you go through this checklist again for that thing. If you're not sure what the next thing to train with your horse is, take a look at the next level of competition. What is included in those tests? 
because as I said earlier, the movements in those tests are not put there at random. They're supposed to be a step-by-step -step guide to help you train your horse through the levels. Something I do find, especially here in Australia, is that so many riders are just eager to rush up the levels just doing the movements, even if they're not done super well, just so that they can say, I ride at this level. Some people even manage to make it to Grand Prix without, without consolidating good basics, and that is just not a vibe for me. I would rather spend my time making sure my basics are super solid and compete at a level where my horse is able to confidently showcase all of the movements for a seven or higher, than rush up the levels the second my horse is able to throw together the required movements for the new level for maybe a five or a six on a good day, with anything above that feeling impossible or hard to achieve. Because newsflash, that is how the professionals or anyone who scores well is doing the thing. They are not getting the scores because they are a big name or riding a fancy warm blood. They are getting the scores because they are taking the time to train the foundations correctly and they're competing at a level where the horse feels confident in their work so they can showcase. Literally no one is judging you for not moving up the level faster. That pressure is all in your head. Plus, by rushing up the levels, you're skipping important steps that you are going to kick yourself for skipping later on down the line when you have no way to improve them except to go back and fix those foundational problems you've been ignoring. Now only they're a hundred times harder to fix because you have to undo all your previous training and build new muscle memory. So I challenge you to be better. Make your own life easier by training it right the first time or starting right now to train it right. That is what this checklist is about. One last thing I want to leave you with is you're never going to get a young or a green horse through this list in one ride or one week or one month. It takes time and it takes the development of confidence and strength and that happens by working on all of the elements in this checklist until you get it right. I promise you if you take the time to train it right now, moving up the levels and every time you go through this checklist after that first time is going to feel so much easier. If you feel like this episode res resonated with you and you're ready to dive into these foundational elements on a deeper level, I have just the thing for you. Allow me to introduce to you my foundational series, a collection of six foundation-focused masterclasses that I am launching throughout this year. If you're listening to this episode in May 2023, when you join the foundational series now, you'll get immediate access to the recordings of the first two masterclasses, Monumental and Build Your Responsive Horse. Inside Monumental, I help you discover the dressage training pyramid and how to plan your rides in a way that helps you train your horse through the steps. Build Your Responsive Horse is where you will develop the tools to build effortless responses in your horse, no matter where you're starting from. Then still to come live, we have Connection, where you'll learn about all things contact, frame, and connection so you never feel confused about the contact again. From the ground up, which you'll learn how to train your horse to feel confident and strong using their body correctly through groundwork. You'll learn to communicate with your horse through body language, and we will touch on mindset. Dressage gymnastics will help you master the lateral movements and bend. And Fancy Feet is where you'll learn to develop drool-worthy paces in your horse, whether they are naturally talented or not so much. Each of these masterclasses is recorded, so you get lifetime access to the recordings. 
And you also get video examples and worksheets to help you get the most out of the experience, whether you are a visual learner or an analytical learner. The foundational series is valued at 600 Australian dollars, but at the time I'm recording this, you can sign up for all six masterclasses for just $2.99. But if you're here listening to this podcast, I want to give you a big discount to say thank you. All you have to do is go to the foundational series link in the show notes and enter the code, the dressage connection at checkout, and you will get $50 off whatever the current price of the series is, depending on when you're listening to this. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the dressage connection podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and leave a rating, review, or share a screenshot of this episode to your stories to help more people find their dressage connection. You can always reach out to me on Instagram with any questions about anything we've covered on the podcast, your own writing journey, or just to say hi at bc.performancehorses. You can also get the latest info about how you can work with me on website bcperformancehorses.com i can't wait to hang out with you in the next episode but in the meantime go on and build that beautiful dressage connection 